Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is Peter van Dijk, a master Dutch organist and pedagogue. He studied organ with Bert Matter at the Arnhem Conservatory and continued his studies with Gustav Leonhard, Marie Clara Lenn and Jan Raas. And he was a prize winner at international organ competitions at Deventer 1979 and Innsbruck 1986. Peter van Dijk is the organist of the St. Lawrence Kerk and in addition he is the city organist of Alkmaar. He is also the artistic representative of the city of Alkmaar in the European Cities of Historic Organs, ECHO. He is also a member of the Beirat of the Arpschnitger Gesellschaft in Germany, as well as active in the organ commission of the Katharinenkirche in Hamburg. Additionally, to concert at game in in addition to concert engagements throughout Europe and the US, Peter van Dijk is the professor of organ at the conservatories of Amsterdam and Hamburg. His publications include articles on Matthias Weckmann, Sveling and Johann Sebastian Bach. And he has made several recordings on historic instruments in Spain and the Netherlands. In this conversation, Peter will share his insights about the two world-famous organs at St. Lawrencekerk in Alkmaar. Let's go to the show. Peter, thank you so much for doing this interview. I'm so delighted that we're going to uh, talk about one of the most fascinating organs in the world, Alkmaar St. Lawrence Church, two historical organs. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to introduce these uh, very well-preserved instruments to you and to the audience, of course. And indeed, it is uh, a very special place, Alkmaar. The center is a little like small Amsterdam with a lot of canals and uh, many old houses from the 17th and 18th century. And uh, above all, you have the, the large St. Lawrence Church, a church from the, the late 15th century. And you can roughly say that the uh, the Alkmaar organ situation, uh, in, in the years that the organs were made, there was a lot of money. They invested a lot of money in instruments. But the lucky aspect summarized is that at the moment that there was a sort of crisis in the, in the organ building, there was no money in Alkmaar to change the instruments and to modernize them. Uh, if you compare that to the, 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 the big cities in Germany where there was always too much money and every new organist could order some stops he wished to have, that, that didn't happen so much in Alkmaar. And that's one of the reasons that the two organs there have been preserved so well and now are a very good guide for organists and music lovers to, to bring them back to the sounds of the 16th and of the 17th and 18th century. Wonderful. Do you remember, Peter, the first time you heard these organs in your life? Do you remember this time? Yeah, I think I had, I had uh, uh, when I was very young, I was living in Arnhem, in the east of Holland. Uh-huh. And uh, for my birthday, I got a, a, a gramophone disc uh, from Piet K., yeah. who was in those days organist in Alkmaar. 
and he made uh, many uh, recordings. Uh, and I remember I had a recording of him with um, Bach works, for example, the F minor Prelude and Fugue. And then I was very, very much impressed by by the beauty of the of the large Van Hagenbeer Schnitzer organ. So first it, it it happened on 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 gramophone, and then I believe in 1987, mm-hmm. I was for the first time in Alkmaar to to listen to a so-called cheese market concert, mm-hmm. which was given by my very good friend and colleague who who just passed away, Jacques van Oortmersen. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he played in '87 there a cheese market concert, and I was one of the listeners, and that was the first time I I heard the the large organ live, and in those years. No, it, it must 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 have been earlier. I think 78, 78, because in eighty seven the organ was already restored. It was before the restoration. I think one of the last series before the restoration, and uh, the large organ had, of course, a lot of troubles with with the wind supply. But still, you could hear the the enormous beauty, and that was also very different from from nowadays. Uh, the church was unplastered, so the the acoustic was quite dry. And that means you, if you wanted to to to, to listen yeah, on, in the best place, you had to be very close to the organ because every step further away, uh, the organ became softer. Uh huh. Are you talking about the large organ or the smaller organ now? About the large organ. The large. The yeah. Van Hager, Hagerberg. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. And um, of course, uh, I was so fortunate also to play both organs and to listen them at Alkmaar Organ Academy in in 2000 uh, I believe maybe 2001 or 2000 uh, I was a student there and I was so amazed at, at the complexity for a modern organist like me inexperienced organist uh, with any historical instruments try to play you know these historical short keyboards with short octaves in the bass and missing accidentals you know in the treble also it was so tricky and mm-hmm. it became apparent to me how much of the importance is the early fingering right for, for to playing these instruments isn't yes. it yes yes Yes, indeed, the, the, the choir organ made by Jan van Kovelens is at the moment the oldest playable organ in the Netherlands. It, it was made in 1511, so it's already uh, more than 500 years old. And, uh, well, you can say that 60-65% that of the instrument has been preserved. Uh, among, among them, um, for example, the old uh, keyboard and the old tracker me- mechanism. And we have more or less 60% of the pipe work. Mm-hmm. And indeed, this manual, you can say it's a sort of origin of a, of a keyboard manual because it doesn't start with C in the bottom octave, but with F. And uh, I, I, I can imagine your, your feeling mm-hmm. uh, in, in that time because I think most colleagues have for the first time, even if they are very experienced on historic organs, they have... Yeah, they feel a little um, uh, a little strange if they sit for the first time at the organ because the first three white keys, there are no black keys in between them. Exactly, yeah. So you have F, G, A, and then the first black key is the B flat. And in the top, the organ is stopping at A2, 
which is in fact uh, the highest note Zwelink ever composed for a keyboard instrument. Uh -huh. So it was very similar to the organ Zwelink had to his disposal in the Amsterdam Oudekerk. And they were built in the same tradition because Hendrik Niehoff was a, was a pupil of Jan van Koverens. And in the top of the manual, the, the G sharp is missing. So you have the G and the A without the black key in between. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And, well, in fact, there is only one other instrument in the Netherlands having exactly the same compass, which is the instrument which stems from the same period, but it's not very clear if it was made as, as one piece or if it was composed later. It is the organ in Oosthuizen. Uh -huh. which is just 20 kilometers east of, of Alkmaar, but it, which is a, a small village. Wonderful. So uh, you mentioned, of course, Jan Peterson Zwerling, uh, the father of uh, all, all German organists, right? The major, yes. as, as, as they called him. Um, and of course, uh, his, his, the compass of his organ works is from F, bass octave until A treble A, right? And it's it's like a vocal range of the normal choir, right? Those days, right? From F to A, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you you have to imagine that, uh, well, that, that, that the first organ music was always inspired and based on, on vocal music because the, the first task of an organist was to accompany a choir or to, to, to make in alternatim uh, with choir music. Um, so it's very, I think it's very natural that, that the choir sound was the big inspiration for the oldest organ builders. And you also see that, of course, in, the, in how they made their pipes. Yeah. So, so the, the amount of lead in the pipework of the Van Koverens organ is extremely high. Some, some pipes are almost 100% lead. And that gives a very, very vocal, vocal sound. Mm -hmm. And of course, the pipes then are very heavy and very fragile, right? Uh, they, they, they need to be taken care of very, very um, carefully, uh, not to be touched by hands, right? Very, yes. Very pre preserved, very, very delicately, because of course, lead is so, so so smooth and uh, easy to yeah it's, it's it's a quite soft material and and if they are not standing exactly uh, above their feet you you, you can get troubles uh -huh, uh -huh. very 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 early but we we had in alakmar unfortunately uh, a big problem as as many uh, places in the world nowadays with lead corrosion uh-huh and there has been investigation for example by uh, by goart in in Jutteboye. About that, they made a research project, and um, in the last uh, last two years, uh, Flentrop, the organ builder, being family firm uh, close to Alkmaar in Zandam, has restored the organ again because we had big troubles mainly in the in the large organ with the Van Hagerbeer pipework, mm -hmm. because also Van Hagerbeer in uh, 1647 to 51 used very high amount of, of lead in his pipes. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, big problems with, with corrosion, but we, we are happy that it was only in, in the lowest part of the pipe, so not in the sounding part. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, many of the feet had to be, had to be renewed. 
and uh, we made a lot of investigation, of course, and we hope that we preserve the instrument now and we have changed certain circumstances in the church. So, for example, the whole heating system has been changed because we fear that the heating system was, was, was also part in this process. But as you probably know, there are many, many places in, in Europe um, suffering of this disease. Uh, the, the first instrument where, where the focus was on was in Lübeck, the very old pipe work of the Stellwagen organ in St. Jacobi. Uh, Stellwagen reused a, a lot of old pipe work from the 15th century. And also there, there was a, uh, a big problem of corrosion, so 10 years ago. Uh, do you remember uh, the EU Council directive about the uh, how they forbid uh, using lead in in the construction of, uh, uh, for example, er electronics about uh, things like that? You remember how they tried to forbid using lead in pipework as well? Yes, I've 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 heard about it. Yes, uh -huh. but yeah. luckily, luckily, organ builders from Europe, I think, um, uh, made a petition about that, and uh, I think so far it's it's allow uh, they allow to to still to to use lead because if if it's just standing there in the organ case, it doesn't do anything uh, dangerous or or environmentally uh, pollution or something like. Like that, as long as you don't don't take it uh, into the mouth and chew it, right? Yes, and of course for the for the for the pipe workers, if they if they make pipes, and uh, Flentrop is is making the pipes themselves, and for example for their big uh, new organ in the Catherine Church in Hamburg, they also made pipes on sand, uh -huh. and also these pipes have a very high percentage uh, of lead. And of course, they, they, they needed to protect themselves when they were, were making these pipes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I can tell you that, that the result is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Very, very stable pipe work. And what about the organs at uh, St. Lawrence Church? Are they cast, uh, the metal pipes, are they cast uh, on the sand or on the cloth? I well, yeah. that I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I think originally they. they I guess it, it was on sand. It was a tradition, I think, in those parts of the world to, to do yes. it on sand, I think. Yes, yes. Like in Ostfriesland as well, yeah. Yeah, and of course, the, uh, this Van Kovelen school uh, with, with the Niehoff family, Niehoff had an enormous importance in, in the, the organ building tradition of northern Germany. If you think of the organ building family Schirer, Hans Scherer, the, the oldest, um, he, st he stood very, very uh, str under strong impression of the Niehoff organs because Niehoff made two very important instruments in, in northern Germany, one in Hamburg, in the Petri Church, which was for, so famous that even one century after Niehoff made that organ, the organ was still mentioned in contracts for other city, city churches that it should be as, as good as the Niehoff organ in St. Petri. Mm -hmm. And you see in the specification of Scherer that, uh, for example, Tangermünde, except, of course, for the, for the pedal specification, because Niehoff never made much more than one read on the pedal, uh, but the, the manual uh, specification is very similar to, to the, the Niehoff specifications. So I think the Dutch organ building tradition in the 
in the, um, the 16th century was strongly influenced by by Niehoff. Well, absolutely, absolutely, yes. Um, and uh, and Peter, it's it's so fantastic to play these uh, these organs, right? And how vocal the sound is. But I remember also the big organ, the von Heiberg organ, the most powerful mixture in, in the pedals. Do you, do you know the the high piercing uh, mixture? Uh, it's it's so so profound sound. Do you know what causes the effect of this mixture? Yeah, I think there is a sort of similarity between all the instruments having an independent pedal uh -huh. uh, without pedal couplers. Um, le let me compare it with three existing instruments from the 17th and 18th century. Indeed, you are, you are completely right. The, the Alakmaar mixture is, is, a, is a very uh, big mixture on the pedal. It uh, has six to eight ranks. Uh -huh. And it has an extremely high composition with quite a lot of repeats. And I think it's the highest mixture of the whole organ. But you have to imagine there was never, now, nowadays there are two pedal couplers, one to the positive and one to the great. But that was, was made in the, in the 20th century, century. So originally, if you played with the plenum, and the Alkmaar organ is a, a North German uh, uh, concept uh, made by Franz Kaspar Schnitke. Um, and there are there are more couplers than in the organs of Schnitker father Arp Schnitker. Arp Schnitker ne never made a, a manual coupler to the rug positive, mm -hmm. but always a coupler great to the to the Oberwerk. But in Alkmaar there is of course also a coupler rug positive great, and there is even a coupler which is called by Franz Kaspar Schnitker a curious coupler, which is uh, the rug positive immediately to the Oberwerk. So one, two, three. And that means that easily you can play with three manuals coupled and then you have an enormous power and brilliance. Mm -hmm. But you have to imagine then the pedal should be clear and, and loud enough to, to support this. And I think with this uh, very brilliant pe pedal mixture, uh, the pedal department is able to, to make a very nice balance against uh, uncoupled manuals, but also against all kinds of couplers. And that you see, you see many times in North German organs that the, the pedal division is very separate, but there is an Im enormous flexibility in, in, in making a balance with the, the manual ensembles you make. Mm -hmm. And if I come then to, the, to, 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 to other examples, Jacobi Church in Hamburg, the Schnitke organ, uh, restored by Jürgen Arendt in '93, has also a, a very brilliant pedal mixture. Many people don't use it because they say, oh, this pedal mixture is too high. But it is exactly the same in same reason that this mixture is so high. It's, it's also the, to make the balance. And in, in Jacobi Church, you have four manuals and the three upper manuals. So the, the great, the Oberwerk and the both positive you can couple. And if you then use all the mixtures, you really need the, the pedal mixture to get clear and then we go to another school in Middle Germany. There is the beautiful organ from Gottfried Silbermann in Freiberg Dome. Um, three manual instruments, also with a beautiful pedal mixture. And there, also missing pedal couplers. And, and it was for me the first time I was in Freiberg, a striking uh, experience to, to hear that also there the pedal mixture was of such a high composition. 
So it was a sort of tradition, if you have no pedal couplers, that you need a mixture to, to make a compensation to the brilliant manual ensembles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. You have to compensate, of course. Uh, uh, anything you can imagine on the manuals, it has to be compensated on the pedals as long as you don't have uh, the mixture, uh, the, the coupler, of course. And uh, Peter, you mentioned uh, uh, is, is the pedal, the pedal division here. Do you know if it has uh, several winches or uh, just one? There are well the pedal. Uh, well, if everybody who, who looks to the case of the Alkma organ mm -hmm. uh, is seeing a very Dutch classical case, yes. comparable to to uh, Leiden, which was also made by by Van Hagerbeer. Um, and and if you look to the to the, to the facade, you don't see any pedal. You have this enormous middle tower, which is the the principal twenty four foot. Uh -huh. And nowadays, this principle 24 foot is in the pedal, but originally it was uh, belonging to the grade, and the grade didn't start at C of the grade octave, but just one quint lower on F contra. Yeah. And that means that in the facade you don't see any any sign of a free pedal. But interesting is that Franz Kaspar Schnitke kept the case at, as it was, so there was nothing changed inside the case uh, of, of the dimensions, but to the left and to the right side of the grate, so on the, on the list of the, of the grate organ, he played two Winchests, just like in North German organs. So these are, in fact, Winchests made for two pedal towers, uh -huh. and there is the pedal situated. That means there are two uh, there is a C side and a C sharp side uh, pedal chest, mm -hmm. two chests. That's true. And uh, of course, uh, uh, where is this mixture situated? Uh, closer to the to the case or closer to the wall? Well, it's it's um, it is just uh, placed before the reeds because the reeds are of course on the on the back side to to be able to tune them. Uh -huh. So, so you, you you start with the with the low stops and then you go backwards oh. and the mixture is in fact uh, I think the last uh, the last uh, labial pipes before the reeds start. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you have to. You uh, it's it's powerful enough, but not too 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 deep into this case. But in general, it's very narrow case, right? Can you yeah. describe the reason? Why the Dutch tradition is to make the organs with such a extremely narrow case? Yeah, I think for the for the for the for the direction of the sound, it it is extremely good. Mm -hmm. But um, that was very interesting during the last restoration process. All the pipework of the organ was was of course uh, uh, out of the organ, and then we could see exactly the places where the former Winchests were situated in Alkmaar. Mm -hmm. And nowadays it's a slider chest and all the chests are still from Franz Kaspar Schnitke, well preserved. Yeah. And But before it was, uh, it was a spring chest organ. And we are quite well informed about uh, the situation by the organist who who was the initiator of the rebuilding of the instrument in the 18th century, Mr. Havinga. Because Mr. Havinga published a book 
on the organs of the Lawrence Church and also mentioned the other organs in this city of Alkmaar. And he's describing quite well, and I, well, I, I, I tell now by memory, but I believe there were around 24 chests in the organ. Uh -huh. There were even chests on places with having just one stop on it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So the, the whole wind chest situation has, has changed enormously. And, and well, on the big, in the big case, you have now in the middle, uh, you have the grate, and then to both sides, you have the pedal chests. And then you, you, you go up, and on, in the top, you have uh, one chest for the bovenwerk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And indeed, it's, it's quite undeep, but therefore, the reflection into the church is extremely well. And, uh, well, that's a characteristic of, of many uh, of these historic organs. Uh, even for me, knowing the organ very, very well, it's sometimes, down in the church, difficult to distinguish. Is something played on the bovenwerk or on the rugpositief? Because the bovenwerk is reflected by the ceiling so directly into the church that it sounds very close to the ear. And the grate is in fact a little more on distance, but it's giving the organ its substance, its its basis, its, its what we call gravity in the sound. And and the, the grate is in fact the softest, the least brilliant worked, but of course a very good uh, foundation uh, to, to, to bring together either with the rug positive or with the bovenwerk or with both of them. Mm -hmm. And what about the rug positive? Is it... Uh, t uh uh, a 12 foot based or what is the uh, uh, um, range of this uh, of the principle in the facade of the rook positive that is a, a principle eight foot eight, uh -huh, eight foot eight. and it 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 has uh, it's it's a little uh, a strange stop in 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 in, in the organ because uh, most pipes are from 1780 yeah um there was an organ builder mr strumpfler uh, Strumpfler is mainly famous because of his uh, chamber and cabinet organs. Mm -hmm. He had a, he was of course German from or origin, and his largest instrument is now in Arnhem in the in the Eusebius Church. It was formerly in in one of the Lutheran churches in Amsterdam, on the Kloveniersburgwal, and the organist in the beginning of the 20th century was the very famous Dutch organist Jan Zwart, who made the organ really popular. And mm -hmm. um, but he also restored the, the organ of Alkmaar in the 1780s and he added this principle and this principle has a very beautiful contrast with all the other principle stops which are, well we talked before about vocal principles. Uh, the Van Hagebeer sound is a very vocal sound and this rugpositive principle is like in the 18th century uh, a more instrumental imitation. It's more imitating violin sound. And it's also in the in the treble. It has double pipes. Ah, interesting feature. Do you know the reason for doing this double double principle? Well, in in, in the Dutch organ building tradition, uh, to double pipes in the treble was was quite normal, especially if in the time that the organ was really used as accompaniment instrument, uh -huh, uh -huh. and that started in fact in the Reformed Church rather late. You know, the Reformation took place around 1580. And the first hundred years, it was in the Calvinist church forbidden to use the organ during the service as accompaniment. Uh -huh. And that means that, therefore, also many 
uh, old instrument remained unchanged. But then, uh, when when it was permitted to use the organ as a complement instrument, uh, all these formerly Catholic organs were in fact too soft for the huge uh, crowds in the churches who were singing the psalm melodies. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons of the invasion of many German organists, uh, German, sorry, organ builders to the Netherlands. Think of the names uh, of the famous 18th century organ builders in the Netherlands. I, I named some of them. Well, Schnitke was, of course, one of them. And Franz Kaspar Altmar organ was the first one in, 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 the, in the western part of the Netherlands. He started, of course, his career in Zwolle, building the, the large Schnitke organ there together with his father. So Schnitke was one of them. Then uh, a number of Schnitke students um, became very popular in the Netherlands. In the north it was Mr. Antoni Hinch, who, who, who came from Germany to Holland. Uh, another one who, who became a little more Dutch was Mr. Charles. It's a beautiful instrument by him in Maasluis and in Purmerend. And we have, of course, uh, the Bavo Church in Haarlem with an instrument by Christian Müller, also a very German name and a German organ builder. In Amsterdam, Oudekerk, Christian Vater, another pupil of Schnitker, made a new instrument. And in all these instruments, you have a sort of tendency to double the principal eight foot. And the reason was that they wanted to, to make the melody of psalms stronger. So it was to strengthen to strengthen the instrument, especially in the treble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that is a very interesting aspect, which is also uh, happening in in the earliest instruments in the Netherlands, for example, in the Van Kovenen's organ. And the Van Kovenen's organ, it was in fact discovered when it was restored uh, just before the year 2000, because the, the Winchester von Covenants is preserved, and when the Winchester was, was in, the, in the workshop of Flentrop, they discovered that there were uh, a number of gaps which were closed in, in later times, and the, these indicated that the, besides the principle, the, what we call in Alkmaar the Dove, which is also doubled in the treble, that also the octave, the koppeldoof, was in the middle part two double and in the top of the keyboard even with three pipes per key. Uh-huh. So that means if you play with the doof and the koppeldoof ensemble and you play the lowest pipes, you just have two pipes, as is normal with two stops. But in the very top, for example on the A2, you have five pipes. Yeah. And that means if you play a passage, and you play very low on the keyboard a, a chord, for the, for the listeners, it gives the impression that you play, in fact, a little on two manuals. Uh-huh. And while you were talking about the, the vocal principle, uh, it's very beautiful that if you, if you think of how a choir is composed, uh, you also double the higher you come right, with the sopranos, you also have more sopranos than basses. So it's a little the vocal principle that that in the top you need for the melody a, a little more voices. Exactly, just like in the choir, if exactly fewer men, men voices and uh, much many more women voices. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, curious phenomenon transferred to the king of instruments as well. Yeah. Hmm. 
a wonderful and of course uh, this when I, I'm just looking uh, at the at the prospect of the ha von Hagerber organ and I cannot really uh, grasp the beauty of the wings you know the uh, paintings at the hinged doors and, and and these things i had the privilege of witnessing you personally you peter um closing and and opening these doors for us uh, during yeah. this altmar organ academy and it was such a spectacular feel uh, uh, feeling to 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 know to know what's inside it was uh, closed at the beginning but then it opened up very slowly and gradually, right? From yes. both the uh, Hauptwerk or the Hofwerk and then the, the Rückpositiv as well. Um, do you know what is depicted on each on each door? Yes, it is a very beautiful scene. And, and you know that, that for, for music, there, are, that, uh, there is one, one Bible figure which always plays a central role if there are, for example, sculptures on organs. And that is uh, King da David, yeah. who was, of course, a, a very famous harp player as well. And um, in fact, David is, is, is showed here after he defeated Goliath. Uh -huh. So you see King Saul sitting on a horse. And you see David, a, a very small man, having the head of David in his hands. So that is that is the main picture. You can say if the doors are closed, it it's a little like like a theater. It's yeah. it's giving a sort of, of of choreography, and and then you have in the corners you have groups of 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 musicians. So you have uh, women to the right side in a sort of loge, playing harp, uh, no playing lutes and and singing. And you have also brass players in the other in the other side. So yeah, it's it's a little the the, the, the story of, of David, Goliath, and Saul. And the interesting thing is that this story is of course a Bible story. Nowadays, if if, if I have visitors in Alkmaar, I always have to explain it because unfortunately not everybody is, is very familiar with the Bible anymore. So you have to explain a little the stories. But there was also another, another symbol behind this. Uh, and, and in fact, what they depicted, uh, not, not so clearly, but you can say between the lines of the text, is the victory of Alkmaar against the Spanish army. Mm -hmm. And then Alkmaar is, is then compared to David and the, the Spanish army to Goliath. Yes. Exactly, because the Spanish army was so big, right, and powerful. And yes, and they were they were trying to 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 defeat Alkmaar in in the in the seventeenth century. So they were the troops, the Spanish troops, were around Alkmaar for for several months, but finally they they, they couldn't take Alkmaar. So we we still celebrate on eight of October every year. It's a big celebration, uh, the victory of Alkmaar. And in fact, with the organ and also the arms of the city of Alkmaar are in top of the organ. Uh -huh. um, and that, that means that the organ in those days was really the, 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 the symbol of, of mightiness of, of the city of Alkmaar. Mm -hmm. So if there were visitors, we know that, for example, that Peterson Zwelink, when there were important visitors in the city of Amsterdam, he was asked by the majors to, 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 to play a small recital for the visitors. So the majors went to the Oude Kerk 
to, to, to show the proud, eh, the, the most beautiful instruments of the city. And I believe that in Alakmaar that was very similar. Uh, nowadays, I have always to, to inform the, the, the burgomaster uh, about, about the organs because for, for the present day politicians, it's not very logic that an organ is the symbol of their city uh -huh. anymore. But I must say in Alkmaar we are quite happy because the, the city council and the, and the, and the major are, are also very proud on, on the organ and on all our activities we do. Of course, because you make this Alkmaar a world-famous city just because of these organs. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful, amazing. And uh, you mentioned King David here, is there, and there are a few, a few sculptures on the on top of the Rook Positive I see, but but none of the King David playing harp, right? No, no. Mm -hmm. No, David is is just depicted here with with. Um, uh, the head of Goliath, uh -huh. but of course there are what is so 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 sublime. There are many many small details which you almost cannot see from downstairs. But uh -huh. we had we had a scaffolding during the restoration, and then you 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 could stand on all levels just in front of the case, and it was so impressive to see all these very very small and fine details of birds, angels playing. On, 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 on Cornetti, um, well, with called uh, certain figurations. It's really incredible. Also music instruments, lutes and, and horns and mm -hmm. uh, violins are, and, and, and harps are also as, as ornaments between uh, the pipework. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you cannot see that uh, from downstairs, right? Well, you see it vaguely, but vaguely. Mm -hmm. you, 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 if, if, you, if you do your best, you, 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 you need time to, to figure out exactly what, is, what, is, uh, what a richness in this case uh -huh. represents. Yes. Uh -huh. and, this, and you mentioned also just a, a few moments ago about the, the, the vocal uh, quality of this principle double in the treble, right? And yes. even when you, you, you mentioned this, uh, when you use uh, the octave sound, which has three rows in, in the highest range, and then... I, uh, sorry, I, sorry, sorry, take care, that was about the Van Kovalens organ. I from Van Kovalens, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Van Hagerber also has this uh, uh, the, uh, treble powerful treble in the pre in the in the in the in the treble right in the principle so i'm wondering uh, was there any any trick to do the bass also um, uh, mightier when when needed for example do you have anything like uh, the the basson or just in the bass for example uh, to to strengthen the bass when when you need it for example well, in the Schnitker, uh, Schnitker design, of course, the specification is, is, is a North German specification made by Schnitker. Mm -hmm. But you can roughly say that, that Schnitker reused, like his father did, for example, in Jacobi Church mm -hmm. in Hamburg. Uh, in Jacobi Church, there are many pipework uh, from the organ, which was played by Matthias Weckmann. Mm -hmm. And... Stops were reused by Schnitke when they were in good condition or fitting in into his tonal design. And the same happened in Alkmaar. So you can roughly say that, of course, the, the facade, the prospect was preserved by Schnitke. Mm -hmm. 
And he also took over, in fact, all the fundament stops up to the two foot. And what he made you were all the mixtures, the sesquialtas, the cymbals, and the whole reed chorus. So you have th 13 reeds in the Alakma organ with a lot of new sounds, sounds which were never heard and never built in the Netherlands before Schnitke. Mm -hmm. And with that, he gave a sort of brilliant crone on, on, on the instrument, so the, the basis is, is, is very, very fundamental, very gravity. Uh, and you, and one of the aspects that this gravity is is supported is also the pitch of the organ. Uh -huh. You know that many organs are in either in in core tone or in in northern Germany even in cornet tone. Uh -huh. they, I mentioned the Jacobi Church. Jacobi Church has a pitch that A is four ninety five. Wow, that's that's very very high. It's like a whole tone higher than normal A. Right? Yes, and that's the cornet tone. A uh, Silbermann organ in Freiburg is on 465, that is the core tone. Yeah. Well, you know that nowadays most modern organs are built on 440, but the Alkma organ is built on 415. 15. And that is, yeah, that is the, 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 the low baroque uh, pitch, you can say now. And in fact, in Germany, that pitch was only used in, 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 in chapels or churches where there was uh, a king or a, a duke working, uh -huh. because then it was easy to play ensemble with organ and orchestra. Uh -huh. So it was called Camerton, right? Camerton, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in those days, there was one difference with nowadays. If, if you order an organ nowadays, you mainly pay for the labor of, of, of the making and not for the, uh, for the material so much. But in the 17th and 18th century, it was the other way around. So to make tin and, and lead and, and wood, that was, uh, the, the, the costs for that were very high. Uh -huh. And the labor was very, very cheap. Yeah. And that means that if you made an instrument, uh, think of this principle 24 foot, is much longer in Alkmaar than on instruments which are in Cornetto. Sure. Uh, so it means that Alkmaar was, was indeed very rich. They could afford uh, an instrument uh, on, on, on chamber tone. Mm -hmm. And that is giving a, a very beautiful basis. And I, I think I cannot, I cannot improve a saying by Piet Kay, the former organist. He said, yes, this, this Dutch sound of Van Hagebeer is a, is a fantastic basis, a very vocal and very singing basis. And on top of it, with this brilliance, this brilliant, brilliant crown uh, made by Schnitke with the mixtures and with the reeds. Yeah. And, uh, and therefore, this instrument is also incomparable to any other instruments. Of course, we have other instruments by Schnitke, but if you compare it with the North German instruments, who are all very brilliant, in Alkmaar you, you have both things. You can say that, that Franz Kaspar Schnitke is a sort of, of middle between the the, the middle German instruments sing, for example, of, of uh, uh, Hildebrand in Naumburg or Silbermann, uh -huh. and the more brilliant North German sound from Arpschnitke. Yeah. And that makes the instrument both for, for North German repertoire as for Bach uh, an ideal medium. What about uh, the, the reed stops? Uh, how many, uh, you mentioned 12, uh, 18 reeds, right? There are no, 13. 13. 13. Uh, 13. 
are there uh, how many of 16 foot level are there in uh, van Heiberg organ uh, well, in, 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 in the situation with Van Hagebeer, that, that means the situation before Schnitke renovated the instrument, uh -huh. you can say there were only two kinds of reed stops. There were trumpets yeah. and there was a Vox Humana to imitate the, the human singing. Yeah. And I think in those days uh, there were mainly eight foot, eight foot pitch stops, uh, reed stops with the exception uh, of one sixty foot, as I as I remember well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now in the Van Harebe Schnitker situation, all the reeds are, are, are new by, by, by Schnitker. And we have the, uh, a low trumpet 16 on, on, the, on the grate, which is giving also the plenum a fantastic extra bass sound. Yes. And the trumpet 16 can also be used, of course, as a sort of solo stop for playing basses on the grate. And we have the same kind of Bazan 16, the Posaune 16 on the pedal. Yeah. So that are the two 60-foot stops we have. Uh -huh. And then we have on the Bovenwerk, we have a Trumpet 8 by, by Schnitke. That is the loudest uh, reed stop. And then, of course, a Vox Humana. All the Vox Humanas were, were in Holland uh, placed on the Bovenwerk, so coming out of, the, out of heaven. And then there was a third reed stop, which is the obwa. So it's an imitation of an oboe. Uh -huh. And I think one of, 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 of the very new reed stops introduced by Schnitker into the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And this oboe has a very special shape of, of its resonators. You can compare it a little bit to a baroque oboe. And also the sound is, is very similar, uh -huh. very singing. So that, that is the bovenwerk. Then in the great, uh, well, I mentioned already the trumpet 16. There is no trumpet 8 because there was a trumpet 8 on the bovenwerk. So if you wanted to, to have trumpet 16, 8 and 4, you could couple with the trumpet 8 of the bovenwerk. And there is on the great also a trumpet 4. Uh -huh. And then there is something very special on the great as well, which is a chamber musical small reed, a little comparable to the obwa of the bovenwerk. And it's called in Alkmaar viola di gamba. The reed stop. Yes, oh, it's oh. not it's it's not a string stop, but a reed stop, uh -huh. and it's really imitating the very nasal sound of 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 a of a gamba, and it it works magnificent together with a, with the principal eight foot. So you can really try to to imitate a gamba playing then. Wow, so many possibilities for ensemble, ensemble like consort sound, like associations, right? Yes, and then in the rug positive we have nowadays a trumpet eight. Uh, this trumpet eight is a changed reed stop by uh, uh, Strümpfler, mm -hmm. so Strümpfler who, who made the, this principal eight in the rug positive. He he changed. There was originally in Schnitker's organ a regal. And he used the, the, the sounding part of um, the reed of, of the regal, but he placed um, resonators for a trumpet on it. Mm -hmm. And you still can hear a little that the origin of, of, of this trumpet uh, sounds a little older than it is, in fact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there is um, a, a bassoon, a fagot, yeah. which is very, very prompt and, and very beautiful. And then the third reed stop 
I have always to tell a story because on the on the name of the of the stop is written Voxumana Inferior. Wow. And I always uh, tell my guests well that it doesn't mean that this Voxumana is of bad quality. Yes. But that inferior here means of course that it's positioned on its lowest position, namely in the positive. Uh-huh. And it was very uncommon to have a Voxumana in the rug positive. So it's the second Voxumana. And it also means that you can play certain pieces with two Voxumani at the same time, which is a luxurious position because, yeah, personally, I don't know instruments in the world with having two Voxumanas. No, no, not, not likely. Yeah, it's it's very extravagant feature. And then finally, we have we have the pedal uh, department where there are four reeds. Well, I mentioned before the the posaune sixteen. Then there is of course a trumpet eight, a trumpet four, and on top of it, in fact, the the mixture of of the of the reed ensemble is the cornet two, which is also a very singing quality. It's it's a fantastic imitation of a zinc stop. Yeah. If you have a melody. Uh, I, I, I played, you can hear that on YouTube, I, I've made a recording of Komst do nun Jesu vom Himmel herunter by Bach from the Schubler Chorals. And there I use in my right hand this beautiful principle uh, made by Strümpfler to imitate the violin. Then in the left hand I use the principle 16 and 8 of the great, so the two stops by Van Hagerbeer. And in the pedal, I play the cantus firmus one octave lower than notated on the cornet two. Uh-huh. And there you can hear the, the, the fantastic vocal quality of this cornet two. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I will I make, make sure I will include the link to this video in nice. the stri- description so that our listeners can enjoy it too. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Peter, uh, for being so generous about uh, this organ. And what about uh, what about Van Kovelen's organ? Can you can you explain a little bit its disposition of the stops a little bit? Yes. Well, originally the organ had just one one manual, and the case is 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 not very high. It's just six foot high, and that is linked, of course, to the compass. The instrument's lowest tone is an F in the great octave and the the biggest pipes are in the middle tower and you can say that if you look to the prospect all the pipe work you see is also speaking and that means that the double choir of the dove the principal six foot effect uh, are the the small fields and the upper fields are in fact the doublers of the lower pipe work mm-hmm. uh, as i mentioned before um, the pipework is double in the treble. Then you have a koppeldoof, which is in fact a sounding octave, octave four. If you are precise, you should say in this organ octave three, because the lowest pipe is a, uh, an F. Yeah. And then behind the octave four, you have the mixture, which is uh, three, two, six ranks. That means the lowest tone has just three ranks and in the top you have six. And the same is true for the sharp, also starting with only a few choirs, but in the top it's very large. And these stops are then completed by the trumpet eight. That is the lowest uh, chest because the principal is placed on the lower chest. Mm-hmm. And if you have 
uh, the four stops together, there you have the plenum, and the plenum, so with the dove, coupled dove, mixture and sharp, uh, plenum was described by Jan van Kovelens himself in a contract for his instrument in Franeke, near Leeuwarden, in Friesland, and he says, uh, the, the plenum he describes as the principal, so the principal, the most important sound. And then you have feed it from the lower chest with conducts, uh, an upper chest, so that is uh, halfway the, the prospect, and on this upper chest you have the flute choir. And you can also say that this, this upper chest is in fact a sort of um, sort of beginning of an Oberwerk chest. Mm -hmm. Because on the Dutch Oberwerk, for example, in the instruments of Niehoff, you see exclusively flute stops and reed stops, and almost no principal stops. Mm -hmm. So on the up, upper chest, there is a, a hole pipe, six foot. Yep. This hole pipe is very special because all the pipes are still from 1511. Yeah. And then there is an open flute, four foot. Half of the pipes are original and open, and there is a C-flat, one one-third. Mm -hmm. And also there, half of the pipe, pipes is original, and we think that this C-flat was probably an invention by Jan van Kovelens, because during the last restoration, uh, the, the organ builders also discovered that on the upper chest, there were on on the place of the of the of the C flat also three caps in the in the wind chests, mm -hmm. indicating that Van Kovelens originally wanted was planning there an under other stop, and we think that that was a rauschende symbol, so that is a repeating symbol, as we have in the in the large organ still two of them, and that gives a sort of bell effect. You can say it's a sort of Zimbelstern which you can play. Uh -huh. But uh, during the, the, the building process, Van Kovelens obviously changed his mind and made a C-flat. And it's a very brilliant stop, very beautiful with both the whole pipe and with the open flute four as ensemble. And it also uh, it works very well on, based on four foot. So just the open flute and the C-flat gives a very nice, very homogeneous ensemble. Fantastic, fantastic, and um, uh, I can remember playing the upper manual, how sensitive it is, right? And yes. Uh, how extremely dangerous it is to play with that thumb, right, on this um, upper manual. Uh, yes. So it, it, it really is uh, essential to use the early fingering with two, three, and four probably as the main fingers uh, in both hands, is except in the bass when you have larger intervals, right? When you yes. use the thumb and the fifth finger. So, um, Peter, what could you say to the organists who are listening perhaps to this conversation and thinking, uh, I will probably never, ever have the uh, luxury and possibility to play any historic organ with a short octave like that, for example, it, or the sensitive keyboard like this. Uh, do I really need to learn early music uh, compositions using early fingering? How oh, that is a, that's that's a very difficult uh, question. Uh -huh. um, some people say, well, we can we can imitate the effect of early fingering also with our modern fingering. 
Um, of course, that is that is to a certain degree possible, but to be very honest, I, I personally believe that that music of of the old masters like Swaling, Scheidt, but also earlier music like Paulman or from the Buxheimer Orgelbuch or Frescobaldi, Cabethon, well, you, you know all the names. Exactly. Um, if you play that with early fingering, the 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 speaking quality is 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 so much stimulated, and well, apart what what you said that 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 you are a little forced on 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 these kind of instruments, it it feels very good if you use combinations of two fingers, mm-hmm. and of course this this needs uh, practice, and I have also an advice to everybody who is interested in playing early music, but not being in the luxurious position uh, in which I am. Uh, uh, because I can play regularly on the, on these fantastic instruments, I think that that if you practice or if you buy a good clavichord, uh-huh. you have also uh, this kind of, of 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 keyboard with short keys, and also on a clavichord you can you can you can you can work out early fingerings very very well. True, and I think that is in fact the best preparation for playing this kind of organs because. On the clavichord, you are forced to, to, to make a good balance between the weight of the arm and the activity of the fingers. And that's exactly what you need. The Van Kovenen's organ, uh, I mentioned before, that it has its original tracker. And apart from that, and that is also amazing, and that's the, 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 the manual of the Brustwerk, so the lower manual, is the original manual made by Jan van Kovenen's. And to give the listeners a little indication about how that feels. Well, the octave distance is a few millimeters wider than we are used to. Uh-huh. And that is very interesting, yeah, that, that, that an octave is, is, is not always exactly the same. And another characteristic of, these, of both of the old keyboards is that the distance between the black keys is not regulated. And so there are black keys where it's easy to go with your fingers in between and others where it's problematic. Yeah. And that, of course, is dependent on uh, the thickness of your fingers. But therefore, it also forces you to, to certain fingerings. Um, yeah, and the same is true for the pedal. The pedal is, uh, has a compass starting with F and then without the F sharp and the G sharp and ending with C. But in fact, the, the, the wideness of the pedal board is as wide as a normal uh-huh. uh, pedal board. So it's, so it's measure, it's scaling, it's wider between the keys. Yes. And for guest organists in the beginning, it's always difficult to find the right notes. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, you, you know, if you look too much to the, to, to, to the pedal board, you lose your control over the manual. And um, we even have the, the original height of the bench because the, 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 the legs of the bench are, are also original, made by lead. So you sit rather low, uh-huh. but it, it is a sensation to sit at, 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 at such an instrument and to hear the, the, the beauty of its sounds. And I think it, it helps a lot for understanding the, the music by Sveling and Antoni van Noort and Scheidemann and all, all their colleagues. Exactly. So, uh, so Peter, I think uh, uh, our listeners can understand, even though they're not in the privileged position to play such historic instruments, uh, 
the articulation which uh, becomes natural from playing uh, with historical fingering uh, will transfer to the modern keyboards as well probably right if you're playing uh, with 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 uh, this kind of early fingering even on a wider keys right of the modern uh, yeah but i i have to to warn people a little bit if you if you have a real modern uh keyboard with very long white keys um, then it, it it can be very dangerous because then the gaps can be too 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 big, too big. in your articulation, uh -huh. and so you in fact you need a little shorter shorter uh, wide keys mm -hmm. to be effective, especially if you if you have uh, uh, an upper key mm -hmm. in your music uh, F sharp or a B flat, yes. and, and roughly speaking, you can say that that early finger stops when you have too many flats to play or, or, or sharps because then it doesn't work anymore. And so E flat major is not a nice nice skill to play with early fingerings. Uh -huh, yes. Does this organ have any split keys? No, there are no split keys. No. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Peter, for being so generous with the, your time and your insights today. And uh, I'm sure uh, Altmar organs are world famous now, but, but I hope our listeners can be curious even more and visit, visit um, them in the real world uh, where Altmar is. But, but maybe you could direct uh, our listeners uh, for, the, um, for the links or the website of uh, where they can find you and your work online. Maybe, maybe these organs, maybe the organ festival. Yes, I have two. I have two addresses where you can, where everybody can find all the details, also about the organs with specifications and photos. And we made also blocks of the of the last restoration. So one of the websites is alakmaarorgelstad.nl. Okay. So alakmaar a l k m a a r o r g e l s t a d dot n l. And the Orgel Festival is called orgelfestivalholland.nl. Mm -hmm. And there, there all the information about the organ festival can be found. And the, organ, the next organ festival will take place in June 2017. And uh, also there you will find uh, information about concerts. We have um, every Friday from, in fact, from, from May to, to, to September... We have every Friday at 12 and 1 a so-called cheese market concert. I remember that, yeah. Um, uh, sometimes with, uh, in, in the beginning with uh, young organists from all over the world studying in Amsterdam and during the summertime with uh, professional organists. And in the summer months we have on Wednesday evening uh, the evening concerts. So there are a lot of opportunities to, to hear both instruments. And everybody is, of course, very welcome to, to visit them. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Peter. You are so generous. Your work is, is matters for probably tens of thousands of organ music lovers around the world, I would say. I am pretty positive. And uh, I wish you all the success, all the creativity that you can master, and all the uh, brave... Uh, you know bravery that you can show to the organ world and you are you're doing such a tremendous job and uh, thank you so much you are welcome it was was a big pleasure 
to uh, to to be interviewed by you and to tell about the Alkmaar organs. And uh, I hope we will meet soon. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavitus, thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.